0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Just a quick review. We're talking about following love. We're talking about the love of God. And we, first of all, talked about the fact that if you've been born again, washed in the blood of the lamb, then you have inside your spirit, man, the love of God. It's a different kind of love. It's the divine love of God, the agape love of God. And by the Holy Spirit, it's been exploded within your heart. Gives you a whole different perspective as far as life is concerned. You see things differently. Praise God, when you have the love of God on the inside of you. But then also we said it reveals to us the fact that we've been saved. It's the proof of our salvation in 1st John chapter 3 and verse 14 we are told we know we pass from death to life why because we love the brethren not because we go to church but because we love the brethren we have this love on the inside of us that moves us motivates us to love other people the same way he loves humanity and so that's the acid test that's the proof of our salvation and then thirdly we talked about we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart our soul our mind and strength we talked about that last week we explained those things so if you weren't here, you might want to pick up the notes from that. But then we're to love others as we love ourselves. We talked about that and how we should love ourselves in the way that we should love ourselves so that we can love others the same way. And then, of course, we love as he loved us. And you can't get better than that, can you? We love as Jesus loved us and laid down his life for us. But it's also true and important to know that our faith works by love. So when we live in this environment of love and walk in the realm of god's divine love our faith then is energized and it's more productive why because we're not bound by sin consciousness guilt condemnation that's affecting the man on the inside and doing what shutting down our faith life so if we walk in the realm of love our heart doesn't condemn us we have confidence toward god what we ask we receive of him and our faith works wonderfully and it's important to know that because without faith we can't please god or we can't receive from god Amen? So as we continue our study, you better get ready for this one. You ready for this one? Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. And he basically gives one of the most difficult commandments for anyone to follow. You've heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. See, the scope of love includes loving our enemies, bless them to curse you, do good to them, to hate you, pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them, which love you, what reward have you do? Not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans. So be therefore perfect or mature uh, even as your father what a, what a statement even as your father which is in heaven is perfect hmm my my what a challenge you talk about a challenge and if we all made that our goal our aim put it way up here I want to be like my father in heaven is perfect I would be too busy working on me than looking at you or anybody else. What about you? We have no room to see anybody else's flaws or faults. So we're to love our enemies. If you ever heard of Masab, Hassan, uh, Yosef. Who was, he is the son of one of the individuals who began Hamas. Which is this terrorist organization. Uh, he was a follower of Islam. Studied the Quran. Memorized a lot of it until one day someone came across the path of his life and gave him a new testament he began reading at the book of matthew in the beginning of the new testament and when he got to the sermon on the mount he read what we just read love your enemies and when he read those words from jesus for the first time hearing the teachings of jesus It impacted his life in a powerful, powerful way. You see, he was interested in all different kinds of religions. But when he read this, he said to himself, other religions teach you to love your neighbor and love your friends. But only Jesus teaches to love your enemies. As a result, this man gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And he renounced Islam. And became a born again child of God. Now that's easy for us to say, isn't it? But you know the penalty for doing such a thing? In many cases, you're put in jail. And you'll be there until you change your mind and go back to Islam. Or you die. See, we don't understand that kind of persecution. If you want to change, you can change. Nobody says anything about it what your belief system is here in America but not there and so this person gave his heart to Jesus and it was a result of hearing those words love your enemy don't hate them love your enemy don't despise them love your enemy don't speak evil of them but love them I know it doesn't make any sense to people but when we're talking about the scope of divine love this is what he's telling us to do to love is I've loved you And that includes loving your enemy. So he raised the bar. I want you to look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 20. So before we can really get into this, I want you to notice that beginning with verse 21 all the way through to the end, verse 48, we see what Jesus does is he raised the bar as far as works for righteousness. righteousness. You remember these scribes and Pharisees, they lived under the law and they believed that as long as they kept the law, then that made them righteous before God. So it's based on what works, not on faith. Well, many teachers of today think that since Jesus talked about you can't enter into his kingdom until you do this, that it doesn't line up with grace. But let's read the verse in verse 21st. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Notice your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You know, they believed that they were doing the right thing, living the right way, following the law, keeping the commandments and all that. And basically, they took it to heart, say, well, you know, we're better than everybody else. But Jesus said, your righteousness has to exceed. You see, people that believe in, which we believe, grace, by faith, by grace we saved through faith, right? We believe that. But when there's conditions, people today believe there can't be grace. And when there's grace, there can't be conditions. What they fail to realize is this, the reality is the fact that Jesus was teaching that you need a righteousness that goes beyond the law. You need a righteousness that must exceed the righteousness of these scribes and Pharisees, and it can't come by you keeping the law. How does it come? By grace through faith. But what he does to get their attention, to make them realize this, he begins to share these things to let them know that, look, you may think you're doing okay, but you're not. And so he raises the bar. And I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 5. He begins with these six particular commandments that he points out. And he begins with each, each one by saying. You have heard before or in time past. But I say unto you. Notice how he raises the bar. This is what you've heard. This is what you've been taught. And this maybe even is what you taught. But I'm telling you something else. So let's look at it. Each one of these. As I said, begins with, this is what you've heard. But I'm raising the standard. I'm raising the bar. And here's what he says. Look in verses 21 and 22. He is saying, pertaining to murder. You don't commit murder until someone has died. The act has got to be a physical act that you've committed murder. But Jesus raises the bar and says, you have heard that it was said of them. Notice you, were, you have heard that it was said is the opening here by them of old time thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment but I say unto you notice how he raises the bar that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire Okay, so here's the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're they're okay because, you see, they haven't killed anybody. And maybe the people that they, you know, teach are saying, I haven't killed anybody. But Jesus says, you think that's the high standard for righteousness. But let me tell you something right now. I'm going to raise the bar. You may not have killed anybody, but do you have anger in your heart towards someone? Do you have hatred in your heart towards someone? Do you, from your heart, call someone a fool? Whoa you're in danger so he takes it from a physical issue and makes it a spiritual issue an outward thing and makes it an inward thing so in other words if you have hatred towards somebody it's as if you killed them in the eyes of God look at the next one when it comes to pertaining to adultery you have heard that it was said again he starts the same way by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart notice he's focusing where on the heart so under the law you haven't committed adultery unless you actually committed adultery but according to Jesus there's a higher standard if you just look to lust from your heart then you've already committed adultery So he raises the standard, he raises the bar, and he's making it more difficult for them to look at themselves and just say, I'm so righteous. The third one, pretending to divorce. Look at verses 31 and 32. It's been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication causes her to commit adultery. And whoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Now, to better understand that, you've got to understand the teaching of divorce. First of all, who came up with the idea of divorce? God did. God did. And Jesus said, why? It was the hardness of your heart. What men were doing back then, back in the day, you can divorce your wife by taking her out to the edge of your property, taking off your sandal, your Nike sandal, slap it on the ground three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and send her off. And you were divorced. She could only go with what clothes she's wearing. She took nothing from the estate whatsoever. She would then go off and find herself maybe some point down the road going to Starbucks. In the marketplace, sitting down, having a cup of coffee. Some individual walks over, sits down, talks with her. You know, they're talking a little bit. And her ex-husband, who really is still in, in, in you know, as far as, He's concerned. He's going to make it look like he's still her husband. Accuses her of adultery. And because he accuses her of adultery. and Has his friends to say. See she's committing adultery with that guy. They go get her. And they kill her. Would you call that a hard heart? I would wouldn't you? So what does God do? He tells Moses. No more. The hardness of man's heart. That they would do such a thing. When he sends her out, she has a bill of divorcement in her hand that when she's sitting there having that cup of coffee and they accuse her falsely of committing adultery, she opens it up and it says right here, he divorced me illegally. And it was only the woman, I mean the man that can get the divorce, not the woman. So once again, God protected the woman from the hardness of a man's heart. But here's another thing. Notice he said, except for immorality. He raised that bar too. You know why? They were divorcing their wives because they burned a toast. And other reasons like that. So, in other words, whatever they wanted to do, they were doing. And God was not pleased with them. So he gave a law of divorcement to Moses to give to the people to protect the women whose lives were being destroyed because of the hardness of a man's heart. So now he raises the bar and says, look, this is the way it is. And there's much more about that subject. But for now, he raises the bar. Look at the next one, number four. When it comes to an oath, verses 33 and 34. Again, you have heard that it has been said of them of old, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, and neither earth, for it's his footstool. He goes on to say, so in other words, be a person of integrity. You should be such a person of integrity that you don't have to swear by anything. Uh, Paul, can you throw up the next those? next three verses from there can you can you do that to to show you what he said be a person of integrity who will honor his or her word and if we'll do that then we don't have to swear by anything because people know they can trust us they can believe in us and that's exactly what God wants us to do be people of integrity so it's important that no matter who we are That we live by the higher standard. God's standard that Jesus is talking about. Nor by the earth for it's his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. In other words, if I say yes, I mean yes. And if I say no, I mean no. And you can bank on that. Without me having to swear to it. So he's teaching them. Look at the number number 5. The 5th one. Retaliation. Retaliation. Here in Matthew's gospel. Verses 38 and 39. You have heard that it had been said for an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you. Notice how once again he keeps referring back to the law. The way it was back then. But I'm saying some things to you now. That you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. So he's talking about retaliation. Let vengeance be mine, saith the Lord. No longer is it an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Let's mature. Let's get bigger than that. So if your enemy comes against you and wants to do something like this here, you know, walk in love. Look at the next one. The last one, loving our enemies once again. And this is where we're at. You have heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And of course, the whole goal is to be like your father who's in heaven. Well, he's referring now to a righteous standard that is above the law. So that he will instill within all of his followers the idea of treating others the way we want to be treated. Which is why that also is incorporated into the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. For if we live by the law of love, then love will fulfill every commandment that there ever was or ever is or ever will be. Because you see, God is love. God doesn't have love. God is love. He has faith, but he is love. And when you and I choose to walk in the realm of God's love with regard to whether it's our family, our neighbors, even our enemies, we're living in the miraculous realm of God. And that's where faith really works. And sometimes if we're not receiving from God, I would say that's probably the first place to look. Am I falling short in this area of not loving the way God wants me to love? Is my faith not being energized because I'm not living in this realm of love? And we can only answer that question for ourselves. But once again, loving our enemies. So first of all, look at verse 44 again. Let's throw that up there one more time. Love our enemies. Love your enemies. Notice, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. So you got those that curse you, those that hate you. They use you and they persecute you. Those are the four enemies he's talking about, at least in here in these scriptures. So let's take them each at a time. Number one. Notice number one, those that curse you this is talking about people that speak evil of you people that slander you it could be even in your own family so when he talks about an enemy he's not talking about someone that's on the other side of the ocean an enemy can be in your own home remember he says he's turning uh wives against their husbands husbands against their wives parents against their children children against their parents etc etc so in other words people can speak evil of you They can slander you. They can falsely accuse you. And I don't know about you, but I've had that happen to me. Have you had that happen to you? Could be in the workplace, could be in the home. It could be even among others, friends and that sort of thing. Even though they call themselves friends, they can be doing this and speaking out against you. Well, that, as far as he's concerned, is not a friend. That's an enemy. Okay. Secondly, he also said that uh, for those of us, let's say, have people that hate us. Anyone hate you? I remember when our, do you remember when our billboard went up there down on Tuscaroas Road right before you get into the, uh, by the cemetery there where the high school's at? Remember one up there? Mm-hmm. And of course, they put my picture up there on that. It wasn't very long. I think it was the next, next day or it could have even been the same day. We got a phone, phone call, went to the police department saying, get that thing down. It offends me. well, Nice to know you have people that admire you (laughs) out in the community. I'll never forget one time. This was years ago when I first came downtown. It was in Midland. And this lady, I'll tell you what, she was so upset with me just because I said, what happened was this. A bus accident occurred with children that were on the bus and they were protected and we thank God for that and she made a derogatory statement about things like that and I just said well thank God that his hand of protection you would have thought that I hit her with a hammer or something she got so violent with me don't you dare try to convert me to your religion don't you ever talk to me all I said was thank God for divine intervention and protection but you know I believe it's it's really it's a spiritual warfare that we're engaged in When you stand for the light, man, there's going to be some people on the inside that just don't like you. And they may even hate you. And that's the case. Well, that's an enemy, according to Jesus. And he tells us what to do with them or how to treat them. So they might be hostile towards us. Look at number three. Those who use us. Now, no one here has anyone that uses them. Right? No one uses you. Right? Are you still out there or have you gone home? We've all been used by people. We've been used by people just for their personal gain. And in many cases, not even concerned about your well-being, but just their well-being. And I guarantee you that if you're a loving, giving person, you'll be used more and more and more and more and more. And you'll be challenged even to stop giving because you're such a giving person that people will take advantage of you. And I believe that's the tool of the enemy to get people to stop being giving and to stop flowing with the divine love of God, to basically interrupt their faith life. I remember uh, one individual saying that he was going to give a certain amount of money to someone, and he knew it was the enemy that spoke and said, You don't want to do that. Why would you want to do that? You need it for yourself, and it just went on. He, and he recognized it as being the devil. You know what he said? He said, okay, since you said that, I'm going to double what I was going to give. Guess what? He didn't say anything anymore about that. I'm going to double it. I'm going to double it. See, God wants to be giving individuals, but people will take advantage of that. And even though they take advantage of that, we shouldn't get a heart that's hardened saying, I'm not going to give anymore. Just be aware of it. I'm not saying be foolish about it. Now, we had a lot of that at the church, especially at when we first came, it happens all the time, but especially when we first came here. I'll never forget what an incident that took place. The church was in downtown Midland. I lived on Penn Avenue in downtown Midland. And we get a knock on the door. It could be 9 o'clock in the evening or something and get a knock on the door. And it's the wintertime and it's cold outside. And this person knocks on the door and says, I need some gas money because I've got to get to Akron, Ohio. My grandmother died. Okay. So we helped this individual out. A month later, I get another knock on the door, same way, and says, I need some gas money. My grandmother died. But another month later, I get a knock on the door. I need some more gas money because my grandma, I said, how many grandmothers do you have? And he says, oh, did I use that one already? Yeah, so about a few months go by. This time, I get another knock on the door, and he's standing out there with a baby in his arm in a diaper in the freezing cold my daughter needs some clothes well we'd be glad to give your daughter some clothes but i'm not giving you any money because i know what you're doing with your money you're not going to clothe your baby with the money this is only a ploy so you can get to a place that you start saying my goodness who wants to give in that scenario you know you don't want to shut up your bowels of compassion but you don't, also don't want to be used in such a way that you know that all you're doing is feeding that person's habit they're probably going out and buying drugs and alcohol and that and everything else and you know getting wasted and everything but they're using their little baby to try to get to your heart because they. one fellow oh this one fellow hmm he was really crafty we went down to help him i won't even say where but we went down to help him we helped him a few times in the past and he called upon us again and we went down to help him where he was staying he needed money he needed help he needed food and all that and so uh He said, I know you have to help me because we said, we don't know we can't continue doing this because, you know, see, we're not your support system. We'll help you when you need help, but when we can't just continue to do this. And so the fellow says, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yep. I know the Bible teaches that you have to help me and you shouldn't shut up your mouths of compassion and all that. And I said, well, yeah, you, you know, your Bible. I said, well, then you also know that the Bible says a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. He thought I hit him in the head with a two by four. Guess what he said? You got me. It got me. He just didn't want to work. He didn't want to take responsibility for himself. So you will be used and abused. We understand that. But you know what? God still wants us to walk, love, and help people be a blessing to people. But just be wise with regard to things like that and it's also amazing to me how sometimes when you say well let me take your little girl and buy her some clothes oh I don't need that you know? well let me buy you a meal oh I don't need a meal they want the money you know. so next one and the next one is those who persecute us now those who persecute us are those who really have harmful intentions remember Saul of Tarsus how Saul of Tarsus hated Jesus hated Christianity and he had This intent of heart that he would wipe out Christianity in its inception before it ever gets off the ground. And so he set out to do what? Kill Christians, put them in prison, have them beheaded, and stamp out Christianity in seed form. That's exactly what he set out to do. So that's persecution. He persecuted the church. He admitted that he persecuted the church. But then again, we have another area where people just are in agreement. You know, with maybe what God put in our heart, what God wants us to do. And so they persecute us, whether you're persecuted. For example, young people, when they go to school, they get persecuted because they stand for the things of God. And we can give you a list of certain things that people have gone through all because they believe in Jesus. Ridicule, mocking, scoffing. You know, it's the severe ones where you're being fed to lions as they were in the Roman days and how all those things took place. But the thing is we know we're going to be persecuted here upon the earth and Jesus talked about these as being enemies. Every one of these situations and scenarios, these are enemies. And you know as well as I do, this is prompted by the evil forces of darkness. Our battle is not with flesh and blood but it's against these spiritual forces, right? Well what does Jesus say for us to do? What does the scriptures teach for us to do? Okay to walk in love. Look at Romans chapter 12 because he talks about how we love our enemies. Dearly beloved Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, say it the Lord. Think about that just for a moment. Now, it's either you could get even, or God could get even. Take your pick. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome. Look at the challenge here that we're in. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what Jesus taught Paul to teach the church. So let God be the one to repay. Let vengeance be the Lord. Let him get even because he's a righteous judge and he'll do the right thing. But as far as we're concerned, we need to recognize this as opportunities for us to use our faith to walk in love. Because as we walk in love, we mature in God, we grow in God. But if we cave in under the pressure and submit ourselves to the temptation to do to these people the things that you really want to do in the flesh, it's going to hinder our spiritual growth and development because we're acting out in the flesh. And this is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Why? Because then we're full of guilt, sin consciousness, condemnation, inferiority. And it does what? It interferes with our faith life. So it's important that we recognize that these are challenges that come our way. The enemy wants us to falter, to fall, to cave in under the pressure and not do the right thing. Look in the book of Luke chapter 6 here. Jesus kind of taught this again and we're going to go through it again. Only from Luke's perspective. Give to every man that asks of thee. And of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. As you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. But what a truth. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged condemn not and ye shall not be condemned forgive and you shall be forgiven give and it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again so here we have Jesus teaching us how to love our enemy and we have listed here for you these things number one bless those people that speak evil of you So don't slander them. Don't speak evil of them. You know as well as I do, that's not an easy thing that Jesus is telling us to do. Which is why we can't do this in our own strength and ability. We need to have the grace of God, the power of God in operation within our lives in order for us to to do what he's telling us to do here. So this isn't righteousness that comes because we can do it. This is righteousness that comes to us by grace through faith. When we make Christ our Savior and Lord, we have this love in our hearts and we can love the way he loved us. He loved his enemies and he wants us to do the same thing. So when someone speaks evil of us, what's the natural thing to do? To want to say something evil back. But he says, no, don't do that. Don't fall victim to that. Don't let the enemy pull you in. You speak well of people. Even if it's an enemy, even if they slander you. See You only say what you need to say and hold back anything that could make them look bad in somebody else's eyes. This is the standard that he has raised for all of us to follow. This is what he did and what he wants us to do. Number two, do good. Do good to those that hate you. In other words, offer goodwill. He said, feed them if they need food, clothe them if they need clothing. He said to give them something to drink if they need something to drink. And even though they hate you, he says, you do good. It's like pouring heaping coals of fire on their head. In other words, it penetrates their very conscience. It makes them think differently about you. And what it really does is it opens up the door to ministry. It opens up the door so that God can speak to their hearts and minds. God will bless you for doing it. But will open up their hearts and open up their minds. And if anything, it'll get you out of a tough situation. Remember how I... Was at that uh, dry cleaners, and the, the guy just wanted to rake me up. Hey, rake, rake me over the coals and spewed out some nasty stuff about me. The guy was about six foot five, standing next to my five foot six frame then. And I just looked at him, and he's just reaming me out in front of all these people, humiliating me and just belittling me and all that. And did it get my dander up? Oh, yeah, it did. Did it make my blood boil? Oh, yes, it did. It's supposed to be 98.6. With, what, 98.6? 198.6. Right? But I just stood there, and i tell you what, I love this, that when you're squeezed, let the love of God come out of you. And I said to that individual, if you think I did what you said I did, I didn't know it, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I said, but God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You thought I hit him in the head with a two by four. He stopped right there in his tracks, didn't say another word to me, stood quietly there. And then after he left, the clerk that was uh, waiting on me, she said, you handled that wonderfully. I want to say by the grace of God, (laughs) by the grace of God. Right. But you see, the temptation is there to do what? To tarnish, never forget this. Your testimony, to tarnish your testimony, to ruin your witness so that you're less effective in witnessing to somebody else because they see here you are flying off the handle, doing anything any unsaved person would do. But no, that's not what we do. We do what he said to do. Just love them. Third one, pray for those. Pray for those people that use you. And here we see Jesus doing that. Here we see Stephen doing that. Remember on the cross, what did Jesus do? He prayed and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about that. Think about what they did to him and what he is doing back for them. And then think about Stephen as he's about to die. He sees the heavens open. He sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father and the glory of God there. And what does he say? Lay not this sin to their charge. See, anybody that would be, let's say, governed by natural human love, which is phileo, which is responsive, would have been ugly toward those people. But what does Stephen do? Release them. Don't lay this to their charge. And why is this? Because we want an open door for God even to move in their lives so that they can come to Christ. Hell must be such an awful place that God himself doesn't want anyone to go there. He's not willing that one person would perish, but everyone would come to repentance. And no matter how vile a sinner is. You know, there's some things we think of in the Bible that some of these kings did. When you think about how some of these kings would actually skin people alive and hang them up for people to see and then burn their bodies. Or you would see them take little infant babies and throw them in the fire, offer them up. As idol worship. Think about that. And then they cried out to God. And God had mercy on them. And forgave them. Well, that's hard to even swallow. Isn't it? So when you think about someone that's wronged you. In such a terrible way. And there could be many different ways. That we can experience these evils in our lives. But what does he say to do? Pray for these people. Pray for these people to open up a door. So that God can speak to their hearts and their minds. God can minister to them. I guarantee you this. It'll bless you as well for doing that. Look at the next one. He says to lend to them. That's probably the last thing that you want to do. But lend to them. Without any idea of having anything returned to you. Look at the next one. Be merciful to them. And all this one is so all important. Be merciful. Why? Because in the book of Psalms we are told. To the merciful. He'll show himself merciful. To the upright. He'll he'll show himself upright. But to the forward, he'll show himself forward. Let me ask you a question. Do you need mercy every day? Is his mercy renewed on your behalf every morning? Do we not all need mercy every single day of our lives? Well, to the merciful, he will show himself merciful. What is mercy? It's not giving someone what they deserve. They deserve this. They deserve that. But I'm not giving them something they deserve. You know, we were listening to um, what was going on with these individuals that were involved in molesting children, you know, and as this really came out and all this was being said, one fella called in and he's of the same religious background and here's what his comment was. I thought, whoa, same religious background. What does he say? He said they should be, if, if they're alive, they should be killed, capital punishment. If they're dead, their bodies should be exhumed and brought up and then kill them again. That was his comment. And I thought, whoa. But you know what? No matter what anyone has done, God is a merciful, merciful God. And we all need mercy. Not giving someone what they deserve. Every single one of us in this room tonight deserved eternal separation from God. We all deserve to spend an eternity in a lake of fire of suffering that's never going to end but because God who was rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins and the enemies of God, we were God's enemies, praise God, Jesus Jesus died for us. He didn't give us what we deserve. Then we don't need to give people what they deserve. Let's give them mercy. Don't give them what they deserve. Be merciful. And what will God do for you? He'll show you mercy. If you're upright, he'll be upright towards you. If we're forward, he'll be forward. In other words, what you sow is what you reap. Now this next one. Oh my goodness. You got your shouting clothes on. Don't judge or condemn them. This is how we love our enemies. We don't judge or condemn them. Why not? Because if you judge not, you won't be judged. When we all stand before the Bema, judgment seat of Christ, and it's time for us to be judged, and he looks at our lives, and he opens the books, and he begins to research and see all the things that we've done. And he discovers, oh, man, there's a lot of stuff here I can judge you for. But right at the very end, it says, but he judged no one. So, son, I'm not judging you for anything that was wrong. That's good to know, isn't it? You don't want to be judged? Then don't judge somebody else. Don't judge someone else. Don't condemn somebody else, and you won't be condemned. Praise God. And then he says, forgive forgive and if you forgive even your enemy he'll forgive you remember Jesus said he won't forgive you your trespasses if you don't forgive those that trespass against you so if we don't judge them if we don't condemn them and if we don't you know hold bitterness toward them and unforgiveness toward them then we're walking in the realm of love we're loving as he loved us and praise God we're going to have a great judgment he's not going to if in, in any possible way judge us for any of these things that he can hold against us and look at the last one pray pray for them we need to pray for their salvation as Paul did look in the book of Romans may I ask you this question who persecuted Paul more than anyone else the Jews did the Jews persecuted him beyond measure did they not sure brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That they might be saved. He prayed for that for them. And it's easy for us to see someone that might be identified as an enemy and really not want good for them. And if you let your flesh dominate your life, you wouldn't want good for them. But if you're going to live in the realm of God, we have to live in the realm of love. And if we live in the realm of love and we love as he loved us, we're going to have the same heart and same mind and same attitude toward them as he has. He doesn't want any of them to perish. And so we pray and hold them up before the Lord, before the throne of God. Now I realize, Lord, what they've done to me. But you know what? I am not in any way going to do anything but pray for their salvation. When I was at school, would you call anybody that robbed you an enemy? I'd call a thief an enemy, Right? violating my privacy what belongs to me and someone came and stole out of my car all my tapes teaching tapes that I paid a lot of money for and driving a thousand miles to to Tulsa I would just listen to all these teaching tapes along the way and I would you know further my education into things of God and all of a sudden they were all gone I could have been so angry and so upset and just said I hope this happens I hope that happens you know when I stood there and here's what I said I said Lord those are my tapes but you know what I hope they listen to them and I hope they get saved by them and when they're done angels they belong to me bring them back and they did they brought them back to me every single tape that was stolen <clears throat> that night knock on a door 10 o'clock in the rain someone that I don't know who doesn't even know me standing there with these tapes do these belong to you? you sure do here and they were all there intact I don't know who this person was I don't know how he got them all I know is they were stolen they were gone and they were brought back that night well if he, if he was the one that took them he must have got saved and he brought them back Or it was an angel (laughs) that found him somewhere in a dumpster, I don't know, and brought him back. But, um, you know, love your enemies. God doesn't want anybody to be lost, but everyone be saved and come to the knowledge of saving grace. Matthew 5, and then one more verse and we'll close. But look at here. Here's the whole thing. Blessed are you when men will revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Does that sound like a blessing to you? No, we don't look at that as a blessing. But Jesus says, man, you're blessed. Try going to some say some institution of learning and just saying, I'm blessed. Yeah, why? Because people persecute me, speak evil of me, and revile me. They're going to think this person needs to go to the hospital somewhere. No, Jesus says, you're blessed, full of holy delight when men revile you, persecute you, say all men of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad boy is that a natural response to all that? absolutely not for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you so rejoice when people call the police and want to take down your billboard sign rejoice when they call you names and criticize you for what your belief system is rejoice and be glad that disciples they rejoiced because they were counter worthy to suffer shame for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ but you see our minds don't think that way but God wants us to change the way we think look at Matthew chapter 5 again now look at verse 46-48 once again we need to gladly endure persecution knowing that we're going to be greatly rewarded for it by our Lord but here is the goal If you love them which love you, what what do you have a reward for that? Don't even the publicans that? If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Publicans do that also. Be therefore perfect. Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In other words, make spiritual maturity your goal. Live in the realm of love and let love change you from the inside out your conduct your character your attitude toward people and recognize that when you go through these kind of persecutions and you're reviled and people are saying awful things about you that is a part of the spiritual warfare that is the enemy trying to get you to bow to him to make you step out of the realm of love because in the realm of love that's the environment where your faith and my faith is energized and it works greater but when we step out of that realm of love and now we're exposing ourselves to guilt and fear complex and consciousness and, and that sort of thing, our love is not going to be, our faith is not going to be as productive as we want it to be. But praise God, hallelujah, we can walk in love. You know why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God exploded in our hearts by the Holy Ghost when we got saved. And because of that love that's on the inside of us, we can love as he loved us. If we couldn't do it, he was wrong for telling us to do it. Was he not? If we can't do it, then why would he tell us to do it? He gave us the means by which we can do it. We've got the Holy Ghost. We've got his love on the inside of us. We've got his power. We've got his might. And we can, by the grace of God, leave and love our enemies so that we can fulfill the great law of love. It's the royal law that we're all supposed to be regulated by, the law of love. Amen? Now, Paul said, people think I'm mad because it's the love of Christ that constrains me. People have abused me, walked all over me, uh, persecuted me beat me with rods cat and nine tails five times left me naked in the ocean in the sea nothing to eat nothing to drink etc etc he just went on and talked about all the things he suffered right all that persecution he suffered for the name of Jesus Christ he went through all that and he still loved humanity and wanted people to come to Christ that was the royal law that was supreme in his heart We should be the same way. Let's stand together before the Lord.